Hi, this is Regaline Sabat, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is Rachel Drunk and Miller. Rachel is the CEO of Unmuted. And today we are going to open with a song by Rachel. All right, here we go. Sometimes in our lives, we all have pain. We all have sorrow, but if we are wise, we know that there's always tomorrow. Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long. So I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call homie brother when you need a hand. We all need somebody to lean on. I just might have a problem that you'll understand. We all need somebody to lean on. We all need somebody to lean on. Wow. Absolutely amazing, Rachel. Wow. Incredible. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a song, Lean On Me. Absolutely incredible. Now, Rachel, can you start off by telling us a little bit more about you and where you are from? Yes, I am from Baltimore, Maryland. Why be less when you can be more? It's one of our mottos. <laughs> so yeah, born and, born and raised in Baltimore um, by uh, uh, two former teachers turned entrepreneurs. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit about where where I came from, where I got started was, was that family of entrepreneurs. I love it. And what inspired you to launch Unmuted, your company? Well, cool thing is that September 1st, so here we are talking on August 31st, September 1st is the two-year anniversary of launching my business. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I was inspired to start it because I I discovered that I enjoyed speaking like in 2010, 20, 2009, 2010, I started doing it just like little by little as part of my job. And, you know, I, I realized that I, the more that I got into doing that, the less I wanted to do anything else. And so I decided to go through a professional speaking training with a group called Heroic Public Speaking in uh, 2018 after meeting a guy at a bar in San Diego who told me about this company. It was just like this confluence of events, just you can't even make up how these things happen. And I remember standing there at this event to like meet this company, to meet these people. My heart was like beating out of my chest and I just felt so compelled that this is the thing I was supposed to do. And my grandmother had passed away the year before and we were left with um, with money from her passing away. And she was someone who really, I don't think ever really got to fully use her voice. Like she was silenced um, quite a bit, but she did love to sing. And so I decided I'm gonna use this money and I'm gonna pay for this program. And being in that program was the catalyst that got me to decide now is finally the time and so in the spring of 2019, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm betting on myself and I'm launching this thing to speak and to train full time. And I, I launched it in September of 2019. 
Wow, two years, absolutely amazing. And today you are a sought after leader to talk about employee engagement. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the importance of employee engagement? Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the things that I touch on around employee engagement, around well-being, around kind of optimizing performance, all of it is really around how do we optimize human connection and performance at work, like, like really. But I feel like beneath all of that is that I have this belief that everybody wants to feel seen, heard, valued, respected, and to feel like they matter and have something to contribute. And when I think of employee engagement, I think there's a lot of people at work, there's a lot of people in life, but there's a lot of people at work that just don't feel that way. They don't feel seen, they don't feel heard, they don't feel valued, they don't feel like their voice matters, and they don't feel like they're they're doing something meaningful. And so they get burned out and they get checked out and they get disengaged. And so I have noticed this. I've been aware of this dynamic for, for a long time. And I decided I wanted to, to do something about it. Part of the way I wanted to contribute to the world was to be somebody who had a real honest conversation about what is needed to engage people. And it's not giving them ping pong tables and chili cook-offs and all of these things that we do in the name of engagement. No, it's about fostering relationships at work where people have a voice where they get to contribute, where they're part of the conversation, where they are supported to grow and to learn, and where they're in community with people that they feel like care about them. And so I've I've really taken that that passion I have and the beliefs I have around that to and translated it into the the, the training and the work that I do with companies to, to help leaders better engage and connect with their people, um, to lead more intentionally, and to foster an environment in a workplace where people feel psychologically safe and where they feel, um, you know, connected and where they want to come to work and bring their best. So that's, that's really what motivates me, I would say to, to be in this space. Absolutely amazing. And now Tony has joined us. She says, blessings, ladies. Welcome. Tony. Thank you for joining us and listening in. Now, Rachel, can you talk to us more about the major challenge that you had to overcome in your life? Hmm. Yeah, it's like which one? Um, <laughs> um, there's been a lot. It's, they've all been related to my health. I mean, I've had different chronic health issues from the time I was um, a little girl, and then I, I burned out and got mono four years ago just from doing what a lot of people do. I pushed myself so hard at work. I tied so much of my identity to whether or not I was achieving and performing and impressing people. And it just got me to the place of carrying this burden around for so long, not being willing to ask for help, not be, being willing to speak up when I was struggling. And I was carrying this burden alone and didn't have to, and I completely burned out. And that experience woke me up. I literally had a dream that I was drowning five years ago. Um, and that experience woke me up. The burnout woke me up and made me realize like, maybe, maybe I want a different path for my life. Like maybe, maybe I don't want to work for somebody else anymore. Maybe I want to kind of direct where I'm going myself and, and being able to decide what I want my future to look like. And, um, in, after I launched my business, you know, seven months after launching a full-time speaking business in person, COVID hit. And it affected like 80% of my work. I mean, canceled, postponed, rescheduled. And I had a little bit of a panic moment, um, but I did what any good entrepreneur does. And I just figured out what to do and flipped to doing it virtually. And um, and thank you, Tony. And then, and then <laughs> just when I started to feel good again, I was out on a run on May 3rd of 2020 with my husband and a pickup truck took a right-hand turn on red and did not realize that I was uh, crossing the street. 
So I fractured my back. I had a compression fracture in my back. I was in a back brace for two months. Um, I couldn't bend, lift, or twist for like four months. I was in physical therapy for close to a year, and I'm still in psychotherapy, just processing some of the PTSD and other, you know, remnants of that experience. And you know, I decided and this is generally true of my of, of how I live my life, how I choose to live my life. I choose to not be defeated by things. When I go through something difficult, there I let myself grieve, I let myself be sad, I let myself be angry. I don't I don't avoid the feelings. I, go, I let myself have the full spectrum of emotion. And I make the choice to say I'm not going to be a victim of this. I'm not going to stay a victim. I'm going to activate the sense of agency I have inside of me, the network I have around me, and the purpose that I feel has been given to me. And I'm going to use all those things to motivate me to keep going and to persevere and to be resilient. And so that that's been a bit of my my unexpected journey of, you know, didn't see, didn't see that coming. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's been part of my journey. Absolutely inspiring. Hence the shirt, right? Grace yeah. and grit. Grace and grit. <laughs> All day long. Yes. Now talk to us a little bit more about your faith. How important is your relationship with God to you? Yeah, very important. I mean, for me, I think so much of what inspires me, like there's a, when I was laying in the hospital bed, for instance, I was at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore and I was alone because I couldn't have a phone. Like I didn't have my phone with me because we don't run with our phones. My husband couldn't be there because of COVID. So I'm just like by myself with blinking lights and all this stuff for about nine hours. And there's a song um, called Waymaker that that I love that came into my into my mind as I was like laying on this hospital bed and thinking to myself, like, you know, I. I need to cling to something right now because I, I was, I was really discouraged and I was really, I was in pain emotionally, physically, and I just didn't know what was in store. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of us, we go into these situations where, my gosh, I don't know what's ahead, you know? And there's this, the lyrics, some of the lyrics of the song are, you know, um, it's a, you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And I just kept like laying in my bed, laying in the hospital bed. And I just, I was, I don't care if anybody could hear me. I was just singing that song out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it was between that and Hakuna Matata. I was just alternating. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't like, is this girl on some kind of drugs? Because like, <laughs> whatever. Ooh. I just, I needed something like for me, music is such an outlet. And when I couldn't move, all the other forms of release and relief that I had, which was like going outside for a walk or going for a run, all of that was gone. All that was removed. Like we couldn't socialize because of COVID. And for me, music was like one of the only forms of release that I had. And so for me, I, you know, I have surrounded myself. Our church community is incredible. And um, people just stepped forward to support us. I mean, right away, people were texting us like, hey, we're going to the grocery store. Can we pick up something for you guys? Or, hey, we want to bring over meals for you. Or here's a gift card. I mean, like the community that we're a part of, that we've been a part of for 12 years um, has just been so life-giving and so healing. And I've learned that the power of having community in the midst of difficulty makes the difficulty, um, I guess, less severe. It makes it more bearable. Um, and prayer to know that I had so many people praying for me, even just after the accident, just like not knowing what the prognosis was going to be. 
um, people that were praying for my healing and texting me to check in. I mean, to know that you're covered, to know that you're being prayed for, to know that people are supporting you in tangible ways um, is, is just like, I don't, I don't know how people get through difficult things and just music, like songs would come on. And I, I, I music always speaks to me and I, I would just be listening to a song I, and I'd never heard. There's one called fight on fight on fighter. And it was just, and I started crying, you know, I was in like, this is your message, Rachel fight on fighter. Like this is really hard, but like you can do this. And like, for me, it's all these things coming together that just like give me courage that help me keep going when it would be so much easier to just like crawl in my bed and put my cover over my head and just like stay in there for a while, you know? Absolutely. And you mentioned community when all else goes wrong and you have nothing else to fall on. Community is is so helpful. Uh, I'll never forget because after surviving domestic violence, the domestic violence advocates in my community and organization, they were so supportive and, and helped me through my recovery as well. So great point. Talk about prayer. You talk about the importance of prayer. So what about the folks that don't have a relationship with God yet? what would you suggest to those folks on how to start to build a relationship with him? I mean, you know, I think, gosh, I'm generally not prescriptive in my nature, but I would say if there's someone in your life that, you know, has a strong faith um, to go and talk to them with a sense of curiosity and say, Hey, you know, I find that when people are in situations of, despair, concern, depression, that they suddenly become a bit more open than they would otherwise be. And so I find, and then they're searching for something, right? When we go through difficult situations, there's this natural part of who we are as a human that looks for meaning and purpose. Like we we search for that. I think we're naturally inclined to be, we're meaning makers. Human beings are meaning makers. And I think a lot of times our, 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 our faith can help us to make meaning. It's not to say that everything happens for a reason. Like I don't, that can be, that can feel a little bit like a dismissive of somebody going through really awful things. Um, But I think it helps us navigate it with a sense of we're part of a bigger purpose and part of a bigger, um, you know, uh, plan. And so one, I would say just reaching out to and connecting with somebody who you would, who you, whose faith you admire, who you admire the way they live. Um, And to just ask them some questions about it. Like if someone were to do that to me, if they say, Hey, like, how do I get started on this? I would probably, I would, my love, my language is music. So I would probably send some songs and be like, listen to these songs and listen to the lyrics and like, see what you connect to. And like, let's talk about it. Or um, there's a devotional um, called Jesus calling that my mom gave me years ago that I will, um, uh, you know, read out of and, and I'll be reading through it. And I have a friend who sends me passages from it too. And, uh, Sometimes if I see something that I think will resonate with somebody, I'll just take a picture of it and I'll send it to them. And so I think, you know, part of it is just be like looking for the people in your life that are doing things like that. Um, t- grabbing a book like that, there's there's two apps. Um, one's called Abide. There's an app called Abide that has different devotionals on it that are like two, five, 10, and I think 15 minutes. And they're topical. So if it's like, hey, I'm dealing with anxiety, let me listen to something about that. Or, you know, so for me, it's very, it's about being very practical. Um, Like initially, I think that entry point, listening to a sermon, like I love sermons by Stephen Furtick. There's there's a lot of amazing pastors out there, but I happen to really find his sermons to be very relevant. And so um, 
I've shared those with people before, you know, so I, I don't know, I, I guess if someone's curious that I would just reach out to somebody who's, whose faith that you admire, or um, like, I would start there or even just like listening to like a Christian radio and just see if there's a song that stands out. I mean, I think there's so many ways that, that we can get these messages and be influenced. And, but I think it's often a gradual entry. I'm, I'm not, I'm generally not one to kind of force myself on people. So I think just easing people, creating an invitation. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful, but those are some random thoughts I have around that. Great point. Yes, ma'am. And you talk about the abide app, which I think is, is great because a lot of folks are experiencing anxiety and depression during this time, especially with COVID. So great point. Now, Rachel, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Mm. Whoo, geez, we have five hours. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, one, the key to happiness, I think one of the keys to happiness is to be in healthy community. I mean, we, we know this, like, anecdotally, and then we even know it scientifically, like, there's been studies done that have shown that People who are healthiest and happiest as they age are the people with that have the highest quality relationships. Like relationships are life-giving. And this is coming from somebody who was like a bit of a loner for a lot of my life. Like I just didn't, I struggled to connect with people. I struggled to fit in. I struggled to, I didn't open up. Um, I didn't really share myself with people. Um, I was very guarded. And so I felt more isolated and alone than I needed to for a lot of my life. And I wasn't very happy. And as I've come into community, especially over the past four years, it's really only been over the past four years, to be honest with you, that I've most intentionally invested in community. And um, I have found that I am happier now in that spot of just sharing my life with people, even if it's a, a text message chain with a group of five girlfriends where each day we're just sending each other, you know, updates on life or a funny meme or or a song, or a quote that inspires, or whatever, like, just to be in consistent community with people, um, to care enough about somebody else's life, to check in on them and see how they're doing, to intentionally make plans, even if it's just virtual, um, to have a phone call with somebody, or to Zoom with them, or whatever right now. Um, I found, I think the number one secret is to, like, to be in healthy community and relationship. I think, Another thing in terms of living a life of, of purpose is to really think through, there's a question I love to ask people to think about each day, and that's how can I be a contribution today? It might sound kind of trite, but this idea of if we go through the each day and we ask ourselves and we ask the question of ourselves and then we make the choice to act on it, how can I be a contribution today? Like, can you imagine how the world would change if, if everybody woke up? with that intention of how can I be a contribution today? And then lived in response to that, lived out in response, well, I could help this person or well, I could reach out to this person or well, I could check in on this person or, or well, I could make plans with this person or, or, or well, I could, you know, be a light to this person. Um, you know, I think, I, I just think that that is a way to live that's very life-giving. Um, and again, being in, with, in community with other people that are life-giving, I, I just think that I'm happiest. I think probably a lot of people with us right now, are, are, you find that you're happiest when you're in community with people that love and care about and accept you. I mean, I, I made it about a lot other of other stuff for most of my life, like being successful and 
and um, I still care about succeeding in my profession a lot, <laughs> but it's not everything. It is not everything. And so I think having that sense of groundedness in community truly is, I, I think it's a secret to happiness um, and, and the secret to a sense of purpose. And then just paying attention to what makes you feel alive. Even if it, even if you haven't felt alive for 20 years, think back, what's something that made you feel alive? Was it art? Was it music? Was it writing? Um, was it being with animals? Was it spending time with children? Like, what is it that at some point in your life has made you feel alive? And how could you make a choice in the next 48 hours to do one little thing that connects you to that? So I'd say those are two things. Find what makes you feel alive, do even a little glimmer of that, and then and then and be intentional and thoughtful and committed to being in community with people. That's what I would say. Those are absolutely amazing questions. Now, you have a life principle that you go by, awaken to what is possible in your life. Talk to us a little bit more about that life principle. Ooh, so this is a question no one's ever asked me, actually. <laughs> um, so I think that a lot of people run around. I've been there. So I'm not saying like everybody else and not me. A lot of times we live our lives on autopilot, right? Like we're just, we're going through the motions and we're just on default mode and we're on default mode and we're like sleepwalking through our lives. And we're not noticing the inspiration around us and we're not noticing the people and we're not noticing the opportunity and we're not noticing the possibilities and we're not noticing the realities and the truths around us. And what I find is literally waking up, waking up from a dream that I was drowning, which was my foray into burnout. I had to be woken up by like having water, a bucket of water thrown on my head is basically how I feel. I had to be woken up to realize and get really sick in order to realize how asleep I was to um, my need for community, my need for support, my desire to, to run my own business, all of those things. I, I was just going through the motions and I was living in fear because there was too much uncertainty for me of going any other path than what I was already on, which was in a steady, stable corporate job of 12 years, 13 years. And so, you know, when I think about awakening to what's possible in our lives, I think when we're asked questions like, what makes you feel alive? Or think about a time where you felt alive. Or um, think about a time where you felt really purposeful. Think about a time where you experienced a deep sense of meaning. Um, we're not asked questions like this, like ever. People are not asked questions like this. And so it's, we go through our lives. And, and I think for, for many people, it is in kind of a survival mode. Of, I've got to get through. I've just got to make money to support my family. And I've got to get this stuff done. And I don't have the luxury of just, you know, um, sitting back and reflecting and thinking about possibility. But I think people then get to retirement and they realize they've taken their whole lives and not actually done anything that brings them joy. And I think that's, a, I think that's, that makes me sad. And it's one of the reasons I do what I do because I want to wake people up before they get to 65 um, to help them realize that they are important, that their presence matters, that they have something to offer and um, that when they come alive, it's contagious and it triggers other people to come alive and to pursue what makes them light up. And that, I feel that with my singing, like when I'm, when I'm singing or when I'm sharing my journey of like becoming a speaker, I, I find or share something I'm passionate about, like this conversation we're having right now. I find that people, that, that energy of possibility is contagious and it gets people to think, well, hmm. I could try this thing. Or what if I did that? You know, I have been procrastinating on this. You know, I'm going to launch that 
financial um, services or the, the financial wellness podcast I've been avoiding, or I'm going to launch this thing, or I'm, I'm going to launch my podcast. I've had people leave sessions and say, you know, I've been dragging my feet, but you know what? Thank you for lighting a spark in me. Now I'm going to go do something. I'm like, yes. Like I want to be a catalyst who ignites people to, to wake up and to take action in their lives. Very powerful. Now walk us through the moment of that dream that you mentioned of you drowning, Rachel, you say you literally had to have the water thrown on your face. So walk us through that moment of what you experience internally. Yeah. Well, <laughs> interestingly, I'm a big journaler. Do you journal? I would imagine you do. I do. Okay. Um, so I have kept journals for years and I had written in a journal starting in like that spring. So what happened was I had got, I was recognized as the number one health promotion professional in the United States in 2015. I had my first, and then I had my first national keynote in the spring of 2016. And I was like on this trajectory. Right. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But then I put all this pressure on myself of like, they said, you're the best. You have to keep being the best all the time. And you can't make mistakes and you have to have all the answers and you can't say, I don't know. And I put this unnecessary pressure on myself. And I had, I looked back in journals from the spring of 2016 and in 2015, and I had all capital letters. This pace is unsustainable. I can't keep doing this. I was telling myself, <laughs> you cannot keep doing this. And I kept doing it. And then September of 2016, I had a dream I was drowning. And in the dream, I was in my kitchen, which by the way, is not even totally enclosed. I was in my kitchen and the water kept filling up and up and up and up and up. And at a certain point, a door appeared and I opened the door and all the water rushed out of the kitchen. And I just stood there um, on a wet kitchen floor. And I woke up. It's one of those dreams that you're like, oh, I'm glad that I woke up from that. And then that was just a dream. And I grabbed a journal sometime that week and I wrote down, oh, I had a dream that I was drowning. You figure that would be a strong enough indicator <laughs> to like get you to pay attention. But I was apparently that shouting. <laughs> that was like a shout. You know, that was not subtle. Um, I didn't pay attention to it, really. And I just kept doing what I do. And I kept continuing at my crazy pace. And then I started having trouble with my memory. Like I'd be in conversation with people and I couldn't call on certain words in the moment. And I was afraid that at 32, I had, you know, early onset dementia or something and went to my doctor and I told him I was concerned. And I told him I had this dream I was drowning. And he looked at me and he said, um, he said, maybe you're doing too much. And I was like, mm, okay, wrong answer, <laughs> you know, next. And I, I basically ignored him. And then about six weeks later, I was really, really, really sick. I got really, really sick. I had swollen lymph nodes. I had a really uh, bad sore throat. I lost my voice. And I was so, Gigi, I was like so out of touch with reality that at the time I was teaching on on-site cooking classes, I wrote a script for my assistant to read. And then I basically just was the mime for the class and made all the stuff and didn't talk. And I, and I thought, looking back on that, I think, you know, you could have rescheduled that. Why did you decide that you did not have permission to take care of yourself like you needed to and that you had to fulfill this obligation? And, you know, two months later, I was back in the same doctor's office on Valentine's Day and um, he diagnosed me with Epstein-Barr virus, which is an acute form of mono. And I was just, I, I was done. I was done. 
You're truly a warrior, Rachel, and such an inspiring story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Now, we have our upcoming global business conference coming up on November 20th at 10 a.m. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel will be opening this event with a song, and she will also be speaking later on throughout the day. So definitely reserve your virtual seat yeah. on Eventbrite and also to mark yourself going via Facebook events. Now, Rachel, how can the audience find you? Uh, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, Rachel Druckenmiller. You can find me um, at my website, which is unmutedlife.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at unmutedlife. And then at some point, I'll get back into Clubhouse again. But I am on there <laughs> periodically um, at unmutedlife. So basically, everywhere is at unmutedlife is where they can find me. Absolutely amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Rachel on all of her social media platforms and her website, unmutedlife.com. And Rachel, I'd love for you to close this out with a song that comes to mind. Any song. Oh, man. Okay. So for me, when I, we were talking about um, what makes you come alive, you know, and what brings you joy. And so for me, I, I think about that as like, as, as letting your light shine. And so when I'm singing, I let my light shine. So for really, that's, that's another way of saying, how can I be a contribution? How can I let my light shine today? So I feel like there's only one song. Okay, you got it. That would be appropriate. So here we go. <laughs> okay. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. There we go. Let it shine. I can't sing, but that was absolutely amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. And ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out Rachel again at unmutedlife.com. And Rachel, you have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. You're welcome.